Hi, I'm Jeff Brazier, and this is the NL Full-Time Podcast. Welcome to this week's NL Full-Time Podcast, and it's quite a packed podcast this week with an, an array of talent on show as well. We're going to start with Rob, as always. Hello, Rob. Yeah, hi, Luke. And we've got Chris as well. Chris Pratt. Hello, Chris. Yeah, good morning, Luke. Dickie's here. Hello, Dickie. Good morning, Luke. Nice to speak to you. And also Darren Smith. Hello, Darren. Hi, Luke. And we've also got our special guest. It is BT Sport, non-league paper columnist. It's Adam Virgo. Hello, Adam. Very good morning to you all. So we're going to get straight into it. And Barrow, they're still flying at the top of the league. They, they did fall behind to Torquay. A bit of a controversial goalie. Ian Everett went mad, got booked for it. But they came back to win by two goals to one. Two great goals from John Rooney and Scott Quigley, the winner, a sublime lob. And Adam, they just just keep on going, don't they? Any, any challenge that they put in front of them, they seem to be knocking down at the minute. Yeah, I mean, the, the job that Ian's done this season um, has done, he's been magnificently well. I think a little bit of a slow start to the season. I think he looked at the goals that they were conceding were, were pretty poor. I think a tinkering in the formation in, in particular, trying to find a role for John Rooney. And he, I think, you know, he's certainly found that now in, in the number 10 position. But that's, I think it's 16 now for the season for John. And, you know, I think he's a very, very good player at that level. But they've certainly found a position for him. And looking at the league and looking at, you know, the whole situation, it's probably Barrows to lose rather than Harrogate or Yeovil to catch them up with. And friend of the podcast, BBC Radio Cumbria's Adam Johnson caught up with John Rooney after the game. John, the, your 19th goal of the season in all competitions. Is, is this now your most prolific season in front of goal? I think so, yeah. I think it's the most this world in the season up to now, but hopefully just keep the a good momentum into the last couple of games of the season. Obviously, we've got, got 13 games left, is it? 14 games. So we've got to keep it up and um, just take each game as it comes and keep trying to pick three points up each each game. What is it that do you think that has, has changed with you? Is it, is it more a case of the confidence being put in you by your manager? Yeah, you know, I think we're a confident group anyway. I think you can see that today we've went behind and when we've gone behind we've, we've stepped up again and ended up winning the game. But we never come off it. You know, it was a bit scrappy at times today. But when, when we've conceded the goal, I thought it woke us up a little bit. But just what was going through your your mind when the ball came to you? I mean, at that stage in the game, 1-0 down, just conceded a goal in the circumstances that you conceded. I mean, just what was going through your head when the ball came out to you in that area? Well, Baz has got down the right and he's put a cross in the lad the other way and it's coming... And I just thought, be calm, trying at the target and, you know, make good, good contact. And, you know, I've made good contact and lucky enough, it's one in the top corner. When you, when you look at yourself this season, being handed the, the captain's armband, that, that kind of influential role that you've been handed, is, is that led to you, you know, raising your own personal game, do you think? No, not really. It's just one of them, I think, from the beginning of the season, I think we've done well. And when Tails went out, the man can be arm, the armband and he's left me with it because of my performances. But I don't think it really bothers me too much of being captain I think I'll, I'll be the same probably but the manager thinks obviously he's left it with me but you know it doesn't matter we all look up to Tails and Josh as well but especially for me J-Ball's been there doing it so I look up to J-Ball like in the changing rooms off the pitch and you know he's been there he's won promotion so it's always good to speak to J-Ball and being there doing it when, when you look at the, your teammates as a whole I mean just what a confident bunch that you've, you've got out there with you does that help you and help the rest of the, the side you think? Yeah, obviously, you know, we've got to come, we're young and, you know, obviously I'm probably one of the older players, but for, the, for young lads, they're so confident and obviously winning games breeds confidence, so we've been winning, obviously winning games and 
you know, we just keep thriving and the manager puts confidence in, in a lot of the boys. And having a manager like Ian Ever and Peter Averton who have, who have been there and, and done it themselves, I mean, is that a massive driving force for you? Yeah, of course, you know, if you look at the careers, Peter and the gaffers had, you know, they've had unbelievable careers played at the highest level, so every little bit of information they give us, you know, we all take on board. We're looking ahead to the Dover game on Tuesday. Another big opportunity for you, you think? Yeah, of course. We've just got to take each game as it comes and try and put on a performance and take as many points as we can coming into the last the last couple of months of the season. But, you know, we've got a good bunch of lads who are confident and hopefully we can carry on a good run and go and do the job. We just one final one as well. When you when you see your, your brother hitting the, the, the social media with the fantastic free kick that he hit yesterday, is, it, is there a bit of a personal goal of the season competition going on between the pair of you? No. I want to, you know, as I've said, the interviews all season, I'll swap goals for points so that we dropped in the beginning of the season. So for me, goals are a bonus. It's all about getting the points for me. Massive congratulations, John. Thank Cheers, you. mate. Thank you. And that was John Rooney. And Adam, I know your colleague last night on the BT Sport highlights, Chris Hargreaves, said the league is done. What do you think? Listen, there's still a long, long way to go. And, and as we've seen with the National League this season, it's almost one of those that you can never say never you can't always assume that you're going to go in and win every single game. But for me, I think Barrow are the only team that have really taken the initiative. This this league could have been open to anybody this season to possibly have gone and won. Um, I think defensively the best. But I think I said it in commentary a couple of weeks ago when they played against Romney. I haven't seen a team work as hard as Barrow when they don't have the ball. I think their work rate from the front is exceptional. They try and close down um, mistakes as quickly as possible. And that all stunts with, you know, Angus and, and Quigley, in particular Rooney is another player that works well. But I, I don't think it's done and dusted just yet, but I can't really see Barrow really slipping up too many times now. The, the momentum's too great, and you said you said earlier, they went a goal behind, but they showed great character to come back. And even against Bromley, they, they were calm throughout the game, and they just had to wait for their opportunity for the goals to happen. And um, there's a real momentum there now, and I can't say right now at the moment that it's done and dusted. One other thing that caught me off on that game was it was great. It was a game between the Bluebirds and the Gulls, ref by a Mr. Swallow. So all bird lovers out there love that. <laughs> <laughs> you saw Harrogate second place, Harrogate, didn't you, Rob, on Saturday? It was it was a one-one draw, and it sounded an entertaining game. Do you know what? From one to ninety-five or whatever it is, it's one of the most enjoyable games I've watched and commentated on all season. If you'd have just looked at the result, you'd have probably been a little bit surprised, although Aldershot are now unbeaten in eight at home. But it was breathtaking end-to-end. I think both sides, including sort of half chances, quarter chances, both sides had around about 16 chances. It could have been any score yesterday. It, it could have been an absolute cricket score. The biggest surprise to me, it was only one all. Very, very impressed by Harrogate, although obviously Aldershot were carving them open a lot, but... Uh, I just love Simon Weaver's side every time I watch the first time Aldershot I've even got a point off of them but Aldershot had a good day as well they played really really well and uh, two or three of the players Adam were actually quite exciting I know that might be a shock to you but <laughs> after your, uh, your comments at Christmas but no I mean all joking apart I think the fact that Aldershot have got players in Chislett, Bettimer and Craig Tanner all causing some sort of threat now. It's very difficult, isn't it, when players have got more than one key outlet um, to keep them all quiet, isn't it, Adam? Yeah, I mean, it certainly is. And I think with Aldershot, it's always been a problem with goals throughout the times that I've, I've watched them over the last couple of years. And um, you know, Bertemmer was a player, wasn't he, at Braintree that kind of hit the ground running and then he went to Barnet. It didn't quite work out for him. But 
No, I like Danny. I, I like his philosophy and what he wants to do. He understands where the football club is at. And, you know, after taking over Gary, that's, that's never easy when a, play, a manager's been so successful and you know, that club's been through a lot of turmoil and I thought that was a massive result for them yesterday. I thought I thought it was um, a decent performance, as you said, from what I read from the reports after the game. Um, and your home form becomes very important when you're fighting relegation and I think that could be a big point come the end of the season. Absolutely. And Harrogate, from when you've seen them, Adam, they're an absolute shoo-in for the playoffs, aren't they? Might just be a little bit too much to catch Barrow now seven points behind them and uh, uh, Barrow with the game in hand. Yeah, I mean, as you said before, Simon is, is, is a very, very good manager and the philosophy of the football club is to play good football. They they sign good players as well. You know, Muldoon's continue from last season, um, continuing to, to score goals very, very well. I think the progression that they've made... I think it's been quite quick and I think that may they may be ahead of schedule if I'm being perfectly honest. To, I'm sure a playoff place would have been the, the, certainly the start of the season. I don't think they'd have felt that they'd have been pushing this high kind of start of the season. But listen, they're doing a, a magnificent... And what they always do, they always tend to score goals, don't they? They consecutive score goals in games. It always gives themselves a massive, massive chance. And listen, they've, they've got a massive, massive chance. If they can get that second spot in the playoffs, then you certainly feel that they could go on and, and certainly make a final. And talking about the rapid progression of Harrogate themselves as a team, it's kind of epitomised by uh, uh, one of their centre-backs, Connor Hall, who uh, the boys on the podcast know because they've been they've been teasing me for a little while, the fact that uh, he's from St. Neots, I'm from St. Neots. I've been tracking him down for weeks. I finally caught up with him prior to the game at the EBB yesterday. I'm joined here in North East Hampshire by a fellow St. Neots man. Well, not anymore, but uh, Connor Hall defender for Harrogate Town and doing very nicely too uh, this season uh, joins me. Connor, great to bump into you again. You must be pleased with the way things are going both personally and as far as the team are concerned. Yeah, definitely. Um, obviously, since, since I've joined here, the expectation was always to try and win the league or at least get playoffs and um, and obviously we're sitting second in the league so you come here, you think every team will tell you they want to get playoffs or win the league but to actually be sitting here after Christmas in a good position uh, fighting for the title, yeah, it's really pleasing. Now, I know the background with yourself because of where you're from, but uh, just for our listeners, you're 26 now, but at sort of 23, 24, you were playing many, many levels below. Just uh, talk us through a little bit of the background about Connor Hall. Yeah, so uh, obviously uh, when I was young, so about 20, 21, I, uh, I could have got my move to the, to Cambridge United and obviously injuries prevented that. Uh, had all the operations that I needed, come back from it, been injury-free since and just sort of fell out of love with the game, but got back into it uh, when I was playing for Biggleswade Town. And I uh, felt, yeah, I can really push on again. And I made the step up to Brackley. And then within that season, I, I made the move to the National League. Yeah, so really pleasing. Great to see you doing so well. It's two goals in three games now, isn't it? Um, at, what was it What was it like scoring, um, you know, at home? Important key goals. Nice volley as well, one of them. Yeah, no, it's always nice to score goals, especially from defence. So obviously your job primarily is to uh, keep clean sheets. But to, to bring bring goals into it as well is, is massive. And yeah, I'm on a nice little run at the moment. So hopefully I can continue that today. <laughs> <laughs> well, personally, I hope you don't. But I wish you well for the rest of the season. Um, looking at Harrogate's season, it, it just shows you what a run of five, six consecutive wins can do. Because you've done it twice now. But in those opening 12 games, just three wins. And it must have called on a lot of belief, a lot of resolve, a lot of character from the lads. Yeah, I think, well, we had a sit-down talk. And um, we sort of just pulled it all back and just realised what our actual strengths were as a team and um, I remember going to Halifax and uh, we really identified what we're actually good at and we went and played them and beat them 1-0 in the last minute fully deserved it and done everything that we spoke about and since then we've built a platform of, of playing like that and it's got us so far 
what do you make of the National League, Con? I always try and ask anybody I interview their thoughts. It's just the most randomly, it's just almost impossible to predict week in, week out, isn't it? Yeah, it is at the moment, especially this season anyway. Everyone's beating everyone. But um, I think if one team can go on a good run like Barrow are, to be fair to them, and uh, we're sort of trying to match it, I think if someone does go on a good run now to the end of the season, they'll, they'll grab it and, and win the league. Obviously, if Harrogate make the playoffs again, that'll be a decent season. But I know it's an ambitious club. And, and you've not given hope, given up hope of catching Barrow. I think it's five points. Prior to kick-off against Aldershot today, it's five points behind, played one game more. It's uh, it's doable, isn't it? Yeah, it definitely is doable. We've got to play them at our place as well. We beat them earlier on in the season, but obviously you can't go by that. But yeah, to, to play against them at our place will be massive for us. And if we can get three points, who knows what can happen? That was Connor Hall. And uh, shortly after, Rob was bundled into a police van, weren't you, Rob? <laughs> <laughs> Take it away. Yeah, actually, to be fair, Connor, I mean, Connor and I don't really know each other too well, but we've spoken on a couple of occasions in the past, and uh, he was really, really engaging yesterday. Um, and uh, yeah, I thanked him for that, and, and, and I think he'll go on to do good things. Obviously, he's come up Barry, Biggleswade Town, Brackley, and then he changed to the letter H with Harrogate, but uh, there's no stopping him. If he goes up with Harrogate to the EFL, I think he'll be more than equipped to cope with that level of football. A big shot this week, Adam, that I want to ask yourself on is Solihull and Tim Flowers. They parted company and Tim Flowers, he told the club website that he leaves the club in ninth position, but they are just three points off fifth place with two games in hand and it's a very talented squad and it sounds like maybe the chairman and Tim Flowers maybe disagreed on the direction that the club's going a little bit. It does seem a bit of an odd one, doesn't it? Even though they've maybe not done quite as well as last season. No, I mean, I think it was always I thought last season, they, even though they had the most experience in terms of, I'd say, National League titles, ones and promotions, I always felt with Tim's sides when I've seen them that they tend not to have a plan B. They're very direct, they're very, very physical, and he signs players that, that can certainly acclimatise to, to the way that he wants to, to play. Now, McCallum coming in has just not worked out for him. I really felt that he would be a key signing for them um, to maybe propel them to to win the National League, possibly. It seems that something behind the scenes just doesn't seem quite right. Um, I think Tim's left um, the club in a very, very good position. I think they lost in the cup during the week, and I think he played a fairly strong squad in that. And um, I think they got turned over 6-2. And and maybe there's a few rumblings off the field. I think maybe signings could have come in, which he wanted, and, and, and it didn't happen. But it just seems that there's been a breakdown in communication in and around the football club. I've, I've got a lot of respect for Tim. He was my assistant manager at uh, Coventry. Um, I always knew that he would go on and be a, a, a manager. He just had that something about him. But listen, he's done a magnificent job from what him and Mark did when they first took over to where he leaves, where he leaves the football club now. I think shows a testament of, of what a good manager he is. But it's, shame, it's a shame to see uh, the National League lose a, a, a good manager, but I'm sure he'll be back in another job sooner rather than later. Yeah, I'd absolutely echo everything you said there, there Adam. And um, he, let's not forget the fantastic job as he, that he's done. As you say, he's turned them into uh, title contenders from from a team who was who was struggling at the bottom. I think what's going to be interesting um, from now is the style of play that Solihull go forward with, with whoever they go forward with, because as you say, they play very direct. They're exceptionally good at that, and everyone that Tim Flowers and and Mark Yates before that had brought in fit into that mould of play. So anyone who comes in who wants to impart their style of play on, on Solihull Moors is going to have to um, work with the players you've got who have been brought into play a certain system. So it's going to be really interesting from now on to see where uh, where Solihull moves. Yeah, I mean, I think it's certainly one of those where you have to deal with what you've got. And 
you know, you see John at Chesterfield, they, he's just gone back to basics and you may just have to do that to, to, to slowly improve, you know, but, you know, January, February time when you lose a manager, for a manager to come in and change the philosophy of the football club quite quickly, it almost, I remember when we were going for the league with Brighton and, and Mickey Adams moved on to Leicester, he's saying as Peter Taylor came in after being with the England team and didn't actually change too much until the next season when he got given a, a summer to bring in his own players. So, I think it's quite important that you don't think it too much too quickly, but kind of maybe just tickle one or two of your own ideas to put your stamp on the club or on, on the way that you play. Who, who should Solihull go for then, do you think, Adam? Do you think they should go for someone experienced or someone young and up and coming again? Uh, it's, it's a good question. I, in fairness, I know Mark's out of the job, Mark Yates. So, I mean, possibly he could come back in and and maybe just see the club through till the end of the season. It, it's, it's, a, it's a big appointment, um, certainly coming up. I mean, um, you know, I can't really think of too many names off the top of my head, but, you know, I, I would go for experience at this stage just to, just to see them through the line, even if it is just making the playoffs. Yeah, I know Chairman Darren Eels said that uh, Tim Flowers has been a big part of laying the foundations for what they are doing going forward. And uh, although the ground's not the most attractive and they are trying to do it up, it is still an attractive job for someone, isn't it, really? You'd be, um, you'd be absolutely mad to turn down the job um, if, if you certainly were offered it, I mean, I'm sure they'd have plenty of applications for, for the thing. You know, they are trying to change the way that they are there. But, you know, you, you see where the club three years ago and where they are now. That's that's a big, you know, talking about Harrogate and teams like that. It's a big turnover quite quickly. And sometimes National League clubs are not quite ready where you look at your Notts Counties and you look at your, your late Lawrence last season. They're big clubs that are used to pressure situations. When you've got clubs like Solihull sometimes... It just takes a little bit of adjusting to get to. But listen, I hope the, the good work that Tim has done doesn't really go to waste come, you know, this really running to the end of the season. Yeah, it didn't get any better for them on Saturday. It was a 2-0 defeat at home to struggling Maidenhead. who give themselves a shot in the arm on that score. They're winning there. Halifax, they had a really good result. They're up to third. I saw them midweek. They beat Dover by four goals to two. They then won on Saturday, 2-1 at home to Bromley. That man, Devante Rodney, three goals in a week for them, and he's proven a bit of a game-changer for Halifax. And it's looking good for Halifax now, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, they're, they're a team that, you know, started well and then kind of, you know, they went for a little blip throughout the season. And, you, and you're going to get that now and again with teams that, you know, start the season very, very well and, and certainly drop out. But, you know, for Devante Rodney, for me, is, I think he's always going to be a hit-and-miss player that, you sometimes find at this level consistency is is a massive massive factor of where players end up and when players move on to um, to different sides. But you know, I think Peter Pete's gone in there and done a really really good job. And listen, they're they're going to go through blips when they're going to do well, and they're going to go through blips when they don't do well. Um, and it's just how they react from that because I think you know, I think you said they're four unbeaten, and then I think they'd only won one in that previous time. So there's always going to be an up and down season. But listen. He's done a magnificent job there. Take, take nothing away from that. And um, they're, they're overachieving massively of where they are in the league at the moment. If they get in the playoffs this season, then, you know, Pete will certainly be up there for manager of the season. I'm going to put you in Devante Rodney's shoes now, Adam, because obviously he went. He was at Hartlepool. He's a good young prospect there. Then he went straight to Salford. Do you think it was maybe the wrong move for him going straight there? I think so. I think that. I think when Devante was first come on the scene. I think everyone was very, very excited about him. I think he scored a 
couple of goals in the last day of the season that almost kept him in the league. I might be wrong on that. Yeah, but no, he did, yeah. He, That's where he first came to the attention, didn't he? So To move to Salford at that time, it surprised me quite a lot. One, that Salford went for him, and two, he went to Salford. I thought... I just didn't see the, the the transfer, in my opinion, thinking, well, well that's, that, I can see why this and the, why that. You know, he's still, I think he was maybe 20 at the time. So it's, it's a big move at a big time and players can move on and, and find their feet and, and certainly go again. And he's going to play regularly here. He's going to get in positions where he, he'll want to play in a regular on a regular basis. Listen, he's a real, real good talent. But there's not, there's not that either way. But the consistency has to be there and if he's going into a side that um, like like the way that Halifax played then it then it could certainly suit him but I just felt at the time it was a it was a it was a bad advised move I think on his behalf to go there but maybe financially his eyes his ears may have sort of picked up a little bit and and saw a contract that sometimes it's difficult to turn down and I understand that but maybe on a professional aspect you may look at it again and think actually I think the timing of it wasn't quite right. Chris, I saw him for Halifax on Tuesday and he looked a class above and I know he's been a big miss for Stockport County since he's left there. Yeah, he was. I mean, he was hit and miss. Some some days you wouldn't even notice he was on the pitch and other days he'd be an absolute world beater. I mean, he's he's so conditioned, you know. He's a, he's a big guy compared to other people in, in the league and what he does do is he gets the ball forward and he, he gets you advanced and he can be that player who can run onto a long ball but he can also hold hold the ball up. So, I was really... I was, I, despite sometimes he would disappear, I was impressed with him at Stockport and I was disappointed that the, the loan didn't didn't last a bit a little bit longer and it was interesting when he when he did go out to Halifax. But, you know, there's a reason players go out on loan and it's because most of the time they need game time and most of the time, um, not always the case with the really young players, is that the, the team that are loaning them out don't fancy them and a lot do go in and out from uh, from Salford. We've seen that over the over the past um, couple of seasons. I just hope he does hit it and it, I'm glad to see that he is, he is doing well at Halifax and I hope he can get a permanent move and this is probably at the moment his level and um, then he can work his way back up but it's, it's certainly benefiting Halifax at the moment. Bromley, Adam, of course, Bromley and Halifax were kind of close together in the table. Both have had the dips in recent weeks. Jack Holland actually had his first red card in 191 appearances on a Saturday and that gave Halifax the advantage. But Bromley have been really hit and miss over the last few weeks, haven't they? I, I, I think with Bromley, you look at players that have gone there. I know Mekki's not there at the moment, but you look at the likes of Coulson and, and Corey Whiteley, who's there at the moment. They always seem a team that almost signed players that on their day are magnificent, but for me are the most inconsistent and most frustrating players to deal with. And I think that's where Neil has a problem with consistency when, when you really need it. And um, they've got great individual players and they, those individuals actually play really well as a team to start with. And I think recently with injuries and Chris Bush being suspended was, was a problem. But the players would have been a start for them at the start of the season. I think Neil would have looked at that as certainly a... Um, a realistic opportunity of, of them doing it. But I just feel they've got too many individuals in that team that are too inconsistent and that's why they are where they are and, and not many of them have gone on to, you know, the Football League and, you know, Hackett Fairchild's one player that's probably been the, the consistent player and, of course, you see what happens to the likes of Louis Dennis. You do well at that club there. They'll happily move you on. But it, it's a real sticky run for them at the moment. Um, a lot of defeats in that at the moment. But listen... Still got Michael Cheek in their team, who I'm a massive fan of. So you've always got that opportunity of a goal, but um, it's slightly worrying at the moment because the momentum is they're on top in some games and they don't close them out. Um, but that's, I think that's always been my problem with 
the Bromley squad is that individual inconsistency is, is certainly starting to show at the moment. In and around the playoffs, and they've done really well. Are uh, Yeovil, and considering what what happened to them in the summer when they weren't sure how many players they're going to have, who, who was going to be manager. Uh, they've done really, really well. It was another Connor Hall, actually, who was involved down at Hewish Park on Saturday. Scored the opener for Charlie before getting two bookings and being sent off. And then the evergreen, Mark Richards, bagged the equaliser. But if you're Darren Sarl, Adam, I'm sure you'd be quite pleased with where you are at the minute with the Oval. Oh, well, I'm 100%. Um, I think when you look to the start of the season, and I've, I've been at that football club when I remember signing there's probably only seven players on contracts and it's, it's always been a, a thing with Yeovil every single summer they lose all their players and then they sign players on loan and it's always just been a transition of new squads every single season and never really planned to, to look ahead so I, I always felt their downfall is that they've got goals in their side throughout um, their squad especially you know Murphy that we've talked about um, many many times you know, best natural goal scorer for me in the National League at the moment. But defensively, they're just not strong enough. But they just concede too many goals and draw too many games. And when they are in the league, they don't have that mentality of seeing games out ugly. And too many times, you know, the Sutton game was a prime example where in control of the game, go 2-1 up, they lose 3-2. So it's almost a frustration now of, of where they are. I certainly think they'll be in the playoffs and I think they'll be a, a strong, strong outfit. And at the start of the season, I felt that they wouldn't be in the playoffs just purely because of the disorganisation coming into the summer, the ownership and everything else like that. But I think I think Darren's done a, a very, very good job. He's, he trusts his senior players to, to run the dressing room. Um, and listen, they're in a little bit of a blip at the moment, but we've seen this season on two occasions where they've gone on blips, they've gone on runs, sorry, where they've really turned teams over. So never count them out. But I think a playoffs place would be an amazing achievement for the football club. Somebody else is doing an outstanding job, and I think we can all agree on this, is Luke Garrard. They had a bit of a hangover last season after the playoff disappointment, losing to Tranmere. But they, they do, after a slow start this season, they're, they're really flying, and they're up to fifth place, winning 2-1 at Fylde. We'll get on to Fylde in a minute, Adam, but Luke Garrard, what a job he's doing, and that man, Kabango Shimanga scored yet again. Yeah, I mean, he's he's done magnificently well, and... You know, Barrow are like your Bromleys when, you know, you lose your best players every single season. And the thing with Luke, you know, when they lose Andrade and players like that, they're so difficult to replace. And as, as Rob will tell you at Aldershot, you know, when you lose the likes of Evans and Reynolds and players like that, they are so difficult to go out and find again. And, you know, they don't have a massive, massive fan base. Um, I think they just finished, you know, playoff the season before. And I don't think they ever recovered from that for for a long, long time. I thought the last season was a massive hangover from that because 10 men for near on 90 minutes and you lose that game. I don't think they'd have had a better opportunity. But, you know, this season he's done magnificently well. And to go unbeaten for, I think it's almost 14 games now, it's, mm. um, it's, it's a great, great achievement from him. And Shemanga is another player. And we talk about so many times in the National League, if you get them consistently playing well, they are real, real talented. Tyro Marsh is another one as well there. Um, there's a real good thing going on there. And Luke's a young manager. I think he would have learned a lot from the playoff final defeat and he would have learned a lot from the last season. And, I mean, where they are in the league, again, massively overachieving um, is, is, is real, real credit for them. So, um, long that may continue. Are you surprised, Adam, that no one took a chance on Shimanga during the transfer window? Yeah, yes and no. I, I always think the January transfer windows, uh, 
are difficult to judge players sometimes that players that have a good spurt for maybe six months then they and then they sort of maybe fade away so I, I, I'm I'm sort of surprised and I'm not surprised that the sides have, have not looked at him I mean he's been magnificent this season I mean arguably out and out one of the best strikers in the so I think for me um, I'm, I'm not surprised I think Luke would have done everything he could to say look just please stay with us till the end of the season but I, I'm always they can be very very hit and miss sometimes so um I think a player in form as well would demand money. And I think there's a lot more to it than just looking at a player that's doing well. I think there's a lot more dealings with the financial side of everything before, before a player moves on. But listen, if they lose him, then you feel that they're going to be short. But if they don't and they keep fit, um, then they've got a very, very good chance of staying in those playoffs. On the other side of the coin, failed. As we said, it was another defeat for them. Jim Bentley said... It's the most frustrated he's ever been as a manager. He said he can't fault the lads, but they keep shooting themselves in the foot. Having a quick look on Twitter, foul fans are really down. The question if Jim Bentley is the right man for the job, and they're now six points from safety, Adam. And it's not worked out, has it? No, I think they're in massive, massive trouble. I think that I think their last win was against I think back in November. That, to me, is, is very, very worrying. There's kind of two types of relegation, and I've been part of two relegations in my career. One, you say, like a heroic relegation. So if you look at Edsfleet, you look at Chorley, you look at Maidenhead at the bottom of the table, teams that are expected to go down, that go, sorry, teams that are expected to go down, but take the season as far as they can, and then they go down heroically, as I say, that the players have given absolutely everything, but just at the end of the day, you weren't quite good enough to stay in the league. And then all of a sudden, you've got the relegations that shouldn't happen. The embarrassing relegations where you think, actually, you've got enough in your squad to, to, to be safe. And York was a prime example a couple of years ago. There was enough talent in that squad to stay up. And now file drop into this category as well. Something wasn't right at the start. They signed a lot of players early on um, at the start. And they brought in like Cozzolo and Yates to try and give Rowe a little bit more support. And it's a weird one because... You know, especially with Mark Yates, for me, he, he applies a Callum with a lot of crosses. Danny Rowe wasn't a player that relied on crosses. Danny Rowe was a player that relied on ball into his feet. So there were questionable signings in terms of where how, how that play was going to happen in the final third. OK, they've lost Jay Lynch, Zane Francis-Angle, Jordan Tunneycliffe. The three of their back five have gone. And that, for me, was a huge, huge loss for them. But there's still enough talent in that squad. And the thing with far with me is that they are a very good football inside that like to play nice football. When you're in a relegation battle, you've got to roll up your sleeves and you've got to start playing ugly and winning ugly. And for me at the moment, that's a major, major concern. And you now people can talk about the lack of goals from Danny Rowe this season, but him going is not going to make a massive difference because he's not scored 35 goals as usual. He was only on six or seven, I think, and he's now moved on. For me, there's no excuse for that football club. They've got one of the best surfaces in the league. They've got a great little ground where they are. Financially, they're very, very secure. So for me, sometimes you actually have to look at the players and think, actually, they need to take a lot more responsibility than maybe what the owners have to do or the ground or anything else like that. So I, I think they are in massive, massive trouble. Financially, going downs, it's... Um... They lose a lot of money. I was reading this week, Torquay lost £943,000 with them being in the National League South last year. And as much money as Fylde have got, they can't afford to go down. It'll be a big dent in that budget and in the chairman's pocket. Of course you do, because you need to support the players financially. So if you're not getting that turnover of money that's coming into the football club, then you certainly will have to make quick changes. Um, Crowsdale will certainly be on a decent amount of money. Billis Kirk will be on a decent amount 
there's players there that will be earning very, very well. Um, and to be relegated, as you mentioned there, it, it will make a difference. OK, it might not make a biggest difference to maybe like your Chorleys and teams like that, but it still will, will hurt you. Teams in the Premier League that get relegated to the Championship, yes, you get the parachute payments to a certain extent, but financially, that still doesn't help you, even though you'll probably feel you're slightly better off still than many of those Championship clubs. But, you know, no winning nine now, that's, that, that's worrying. And I, I always come to this stage of the season where teams go, well, we're going to win our final seven games. Well, you haven't won seven games all season, so what's going to change in this final period mm. where things are just going to click into place nicely? I think it's always very naive. And when I mentioned my second relegation, that was with Colchester. And I remember being at Plymouth and we got beat 4-0. And I just remember some of the players were just saying, you know, 12 games to go, we've got to win six of them. It's like, we haven't even won six all season. So it's like, I don't get sometimes how we think we're just going to find six results in that in the running towards the end of the season. I, I'm, I'm very worried for them. And if they do go, I, I will be sad to see them go. Because playoff finalists last season, trophy winners, to being relegated. How, how can that happen in the space of 12 months? Well, another big team are down there who could go. I mean, obviously, Wrexham will get on to shortly. I mean, they probably look the most likely of the three to stay up. Chesterfield, a team you saw yesterday in a live game, a big derby against Notts County. All hinged, actually, on a penalty miss, didn't it? Ross Fitzsimmons was recalled by Notts County for an alone spell at Chesterfield, and then he saved a penalty. Then Enzo Boulderwine scored a spectacular goal. He did that quite a lot in League Two last year, and Callum Roberts sparkled on his on his home debut. And Chesterfield, what do you think on them, Adam? They're only a couple of points off the relegation zone, aren't they? But do you think they could go as well? Well, well listen, they've got, they've got every chance of, of going. Sorry, I apologise. When I said the five fixtures, that, that I actually had the, um, Chesterfield's fixtures with Wrexham next and then Yeovil, then, then Edsfleet. What John has got in there, he's simplified things a lot a lot in terms of you know bringing players like Sam Wedgbury back in from the cold. I think that I think under John, players were playing one week and then not in squad the next week, and it was a real that that's a real mess of a of a of a situation to for John to come in. But I don't think it was a three nil result or a three nil performance from them. I thought they had chances, but you know Scott looked sure some confidence in taking that penalty. It wasn't a confident penalty, and I think if you've seen the game, he actually misses it and then sort of holds his hands in his head when he should have followed it. In. Yeah, I noticed that. That was bizarre because you thought he could have got the rebound, but he was too busy sort of consoling himself, wasn't he? Yeah, it was a weird. It was a weird one, and even the referee James Bell had blown hadn't even blown the whistle, and Scott had already started walking up to the ball to take it. And then he looked left at the referee, then he blew his whistle, and he was always all of, all of a sudden in his run up. Um, and it was just a horrible, horrible penalty. But that goes in at the end of the first half and you go in 1-0. It's a different team talk for John. It's a different team, team talk for Notts County. And so, listen, I'm not saying Notts County would not have come back in one second half, but I think it would have been slightly different. But what I saw from Chesterfield yesterday was a better work rate. I thought their reaction after, the, especially the, the penalty and the first goal and the second goal, I felt then they, got, they, they had a good reaction. And, and that, that was massive for me to see, actually, when those goals goes in and you see teams at the bottom, their heads just go completely. But I, di- I didn't see that from, from Chesterfield. It'd be interesting to see if they bring someone else in or if they just keep with John till the end of the season. Um, but it's it's worrying times there as well. As I mentioned with, um, with Fard, you can't just come in and wave a magic wand and expect everyone to be playing like Barrow when you've played so poorly all season. Defensively, they look 
slightly tighter from what they were under John. If you'd have had a better the start of the season with Fylde, Wrexham and Chesterfield to go down, you wouldn't have to work again. Chesterfield is almost as hard to get your head round as Fylde this, this whole season, really, and it's become quite a mess. I watched them play and they were awful twice. They actually picked up results in those games. I've seen quite a bit of yesterday's game, Adam, and uh, you're absolutely right, wasn't it? 3-0. I mean, Denton thumped one against the bar and the penalty was saved and it could have been different on another day. My question to you, Adam, really on Chesterfield was about the situation. Obviously, Pemberton will do a steady job. In terms of the new manager coming in, is it to do with finding the right person or is it still about the ownership issue at Chesterfield? And is that ownership going to change hands in time to save them? Yeah, I, I don't. I think that the manager situation now is is very very important to get that right because if a new owner comes in and he gives, if he says there's X amount of pounds to go and sign new players, it's still not easy to come and do that. So, listen, I think Tim Flowers would be the right appointment in my opinion. I think he's got a player in Denton up there that listen that they can play off, which was Tim done under Solihull. So that the style of their it could certainly suit Chesterfield towards the end of the season. I I think that would be a good move for them. Um, I thought Dave Challoner would have waited for his chance to take that job, I think, when John was inevitably going to be sacked, um, but decided to go to Hartlepool. So a manager out of work who's just, you know, knows the National League very well is Tim. So I think that is far more important than, you know, the, the off-field shenanigans at the moment. But it, it, it's been a mess as well as you just mentioned there, it's been, a, it's been a real, real mess from the recruitment as well as not being good enough. Um, and and that, that plays a massive, massive part in the National League. Your recruitment, is, if it's right, you can do very, very well. If, it, if it's done wrongly, it, it could be catastrophic. And for me, Chesterfield's recruitment has not been anywhere near good enough for them to be challenging for um, the, the playoffs this season, even though I took them at the start to bloody go and win the league. Yeah, and a really good point about Chesterfield's uh, kind of player payroll pretty much since they dropped down to the National League and Martin Allen was in charge they've had for me I know they're a big club but they've had for me way too many players on the books Allen brought in loads there was a big turnaround needed to happen after that and and they've had pushing 30 players in their squad and that might be the case if you're in the Football League but I think the optimal number in the National League is probably more like 22-23 uh, what's your thoughts on that Yeah no, I completely agree there and the, and the problem is you know, and after, you know, Anthony Gerrard's just left on, on mutual consent. The players on big contracts, trust me, there's not going to be too many teams out there taking struggling players that are on big contracts. So that's, that's their major issue, is shipping players out to try and bring players in, and hence why the majority of the squad they are, they've tried to add to it to, to strengthen their their sort of their grip in the National League. But it's, it's going to be very, very tight. And listen, for a neutral, to see those three teams down there is great, but... I think if the National League lost two of those three, I think, I think it would be a big, big loss for the league. Big game next week as well, Chesterfield against Wrexham. So that could, if Chesterfield win that, they could drag Wrexham back into it. Wrexham only drew nil-nil on Saturday, and they have had a bit of a, they have got a bit of a cushion. But as I say, if Chesterfield win that, suddenly Wrexham are looking back over the shoulders again, aren't they, Adam? Again, I know Dean's picked up in the last three games. I think it is that they've. Um, they've pulled off but I'll be honest with you Wrexham are never a side that excites me when I when I watch them you know I, they never have enough goals in their side they never play a style of football I think I actually enjoy watching um, steady Eddie players in their team but for me it's, it's a huge game I mean if Chesterfield win that then 
I think Wrexham are going to be certainly looking over their shoulders with a lot more concern. Surprised they brought back Dean after after the way that he left. Um, but listen, that that was their prerogative to change to go again. And I, I don't know. I just thought maybe new ideas to come in and try and change the way that they play. Um, and they they never really excite me when I watch them, to be honest. And and again, the lack of goals is is, is been their sort of their, their Achilles heel again. But Massive game, huge, huge game, and whoever wins that will be be very relieved. Interesting. Uh, another team I want to talk to you about, Barnet. Although they're currently down the table, they're down there in in thirty in eleventh position. Sorry, they've, they've still got three games in hand on everyone. They've had a few games called off, and they've got a really good forward line now. They signed Paul McCallum on loan, who scored on his debut on Saturday, and that could be a bit of a game changer. They could just sneak into those playoffs, couldn't they, Barnet? Yeah, I mean they're. I mean, I played with Darren as, uh, at Brighton, and um, it, it was it, the way that Barnett played. I don't, I don't know if you've maybe seen Darren play. He was technically a very, very good player, and I think once John had moved on, he'd really want to implement his style of play. Um, you know, they lose key players like Jack Taylor, Pavey's come in and, and got a serious injury, so he's had to concern with that. I know Barnett had a lot of injuries last year as well. I think. There've been a lot of games this season where they've been on top and not, are just not taking their chances, and then they go and concede poor goals in their own box. I mean, you look at that squad of players; they should be doing slightly better than, than what they are doing. But as you mentioned, there they've got the games in hand, and you bring in Paul McCallum, and you just, you know, as, as a neutral of the league, and you look at that side, you can't think how that can't be a positive thing for you. And if you get that one right, and you get him fit. And get those crosses into the box. They, they're going to give themselves a, a late, late push for those playoffs. Um, but it's, it's a big signing for them. I felt that they, 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 they were crying out for a striker. And they've probably gone and got someone better than expected, if I could say it like that. Someone who knows the league well. I think someone who's been frustrated at Solihull since he's moved there. But we saw with ETU last season, put a cross into the box. It's not a better header of the ball in the National League. And um, they've got that quality in their squad. Um but they just need to be slightly more consistent. Um, and that's been their problem throughout the season. But recently, um, they, they found that consistency. So they, they could be one of the late pushes for the um, for, for the National League. His, his former club easily beat Woking 2-0 on Saturday. There was an interesting tweet from Rob's colleague at BBC Radio Surrey, Gavin Dennison. He, he questioned Alan Dowson calling out his players publicly. Uh, and then he starts them again next week. So in the interview, he's basically calling out players. And then the week after, he's putting them back in the team. As a player, Adam, do you take much notice of like the manager's post-match comments in an interview? Well, you can do if he's publicly criticising you for uh, for the way that, it, that they are. But I think with Alan, sometimes you need subtitles to, uh, to understand yeah. <laughs> what he's saying. But, um, but listen, I think sometimes managers, you know, Mourinho's done it before. And I think as a player, I think everything should be kept in-house. And if a manager says what he really thinks of you, just say it to your face. You sometimes protect your players. But I think there's a, on the other side of it where he thinks managers protect their players to a certain extent. But then sometimes fans want that. So it's, it's kind of hard to, to find the balance of publicly criticising players and and going after them. But listen, there, there are part-time sites that are overachieving. But I think when you're this close to maybe finishing in the playoffs, as Rob will tell you of Aldershot and in the National League as well, you never know what season's going to happen next. And that's the major worry. You know, if Barrow don't win the league this year, you can't turn around and sort of again and say, well, well, they're going to definitely win the league next year because you never know who's going to come in mm. and who's going to go out. And the thing with Woking is that players that do well, best, 
players will take them. And that's, and that's a major concern for Alan. And while you're there and you've got this opportunity, you've got to make the most of it. And I think he's just maybe gone to a, a plan B of maybe thinking, actually, this could be a different way of getting a reaction out of my players. But I, when I've spoken to Alan, he cares a lot for his players. And, he's, he's a, and at that level, you've got to be a very, very good man manager. And they work hard for him. And I feel if the work rate's not there for him and he feels a little bit let down, he just may feel this could be a direction to go in. Yeah, finally, we're just going to look at two teams who are in and around the playoff picture again. Uh, Dover and Stockport. I saw Dover against Halifax on, on Tuesday. They looked decent away from home, but in the Effion had a bit of a stinker, it's fair to say. But at Stockport on Saturday, he didn't, did he? No, I mean, the, I think the start of Dover play away from home, um, Effion's a player that I think, again, is just very, very frustrating. I think sometimes the runs that he makes are sometimes not the runs that he needs to make. And I think that sometimes away from home, that works well for you because you probably play a little bit more direct into the channels where he runs into. And I think at home, they don't play that way and they try and change the way that they play, which doesn't quite work for them. But it's, um, I think, you know, Andy's done, Andy's done a very, very good job down there. Um, your main concern is, is that, you know, if, if Effie Young's not scoring the goals, I, I can't see really where the goals are going to be coming from. I know Ricky Modesto scored a few this season, but as a squad, you you worry where the goals are going to come from. But again, they're, they're a team that are sort of there or thereabouts, to be honest. And um, I mean, the, the National League playoffs are so tight. I mean, you can almost go down to, I don't know, maybe even Torquay and 15th. There's only four or five points that separate them. So, um, but that's a, it's a big result for them. If they could turn that I said, I said a while ago, if, they can, if their home form was like their away form, then they'd be champions. But unfortunately, just that inconsistency at home has been a massive, massive problem for them. I, I, I was obviously at the game yesterday and uh, not ha- not having seen uh, Dover in the flesh very often, obviously because uh, being based up in the in the northwest, I, I put uh, my match report in four words to the boys on the WhatsApp group yesterday was, Inny Effiong is immense. Because he was absolutely immense yesterday and he was... Uh, he was the, I wouldn't say the definition of a one-man team, but his link-up with Jai Reason was absolutely fantastic yesterday and he caused County so many problems. Dover were full value for his, for a win. He should have had hat-trick, really. He had a one-on-one with Ben Hinchley that he missed uh, towards the end. Um, but they were definitely full value for the three points. If I may, on Stockport County, obviously I had the takeover recently. There's a lot of um, money. The debts have been cleared. They're now on a zero balance. Um, all that type of thing. I think there's a couple of points I just want to make on them. The first thing is, things don't change overnight, um, and things certainly aren't changing overnight. What County fans do know is that the quality of player coming into the club now is always going to be slightly better than what they've got. So I expect um, I expect results to improve, certainly in, in the long term, and certainly the infrastructure behind the scenes. And the second thing I think that, that Stockport County haven't really got to grips with at the moment is how to play the National League. There's a hell of a lot of teams um, that come up from the southeast and from the south, and um, they have a very similar style of play, and they make it incredibly difficult. And Stockport County fans get sick of people time-wasting and lying down and taking ages over throw-ins and stuff. But that's how a lot of teams play in the National League, and I don't think Stockport County have quite uh, quite caught up with that yet. So uh, there are two points on on Stockport, but uh, I think they would take being whatever they are, what eleventh, twelfth, wherever they are, tenth at the moment uh, before the start of the season. Just want to add my two pennies about Effiong. Um, it's really funny actually because I saw him last Saturday, and I thought, no, 
third time I've seen him, he just doesn't do it for me. You saw him on Tuesday and he was awful as well, Luke. And then he's a world beater on Saturday. And um, he's one of the... I think there's a a number of players in the National League like that, that they have little streaky runs where they do quite well, where their confidence gets up, but they don't have the consistency and that's what holds them back from... uh, from kicking on and um, Mike Fondop-Talom's another one. He scores his goals in bursts and, and then you see him on another day. Doesn't look quite in the same sort of level. And uh, I guess really that's, Adam, why players like Fondop-Talom and Effiong are playing at this level and, and with respect, unlikely to go higher. Yeah, listen, they're, they're still good players and the, the, the National League player is far better than probably what it was 10 years ago or even further back. And you've seen how they compete now with football league sides when they come up against them in the FA Cup. The games are a lot more tighter. I get a lot of texts from players that, say, BT have, and they text me and say, oh, he, he looks good, he done well. And I'll say, yeah, but just watch him on a Tuesday. He may come off after 60 minutes. And, you know, if he is young, I just, I, just, I just felt with him sometimes when I've seen him is that the runs that he makes... Uh, I don't think sometimes he needs to make them. If he just kept, if he just said to him, stay within the vicinity of the 18-yard box, then you, you score a lot more goals. But so many times you see the ball in certain areas and his positioning inside the 18-yard box is, is not where he should be. Now, Andy would probably be trying to coach him that, but if you're not taking on that instruction, then you're not going to go very, very far. And I think that's where sometimes people look at players like Effie Young, as you mentioned there, and, and other players that... It's just that reliability of consistency, which is a massive, massive fact. Because they've got the talent, as you mentioned there, that on his day, he is unplayable. And I've seen him sometimes where he plays like a championship striker, but then other, other weeks he just will be non-existent. And that's, and that's always going to be a frustration of a, of a National League manager. We mentioned about the relegation. And who, who do you think will go up as well? I think Ebsfleet and Charlie, we could probably say, are going. Who, who are the other two then in your head? I, I, I mean, I, I don't know what Adam said, but I, I'm pretty sure I've had it confirmed that only three are going down. What have you heard, Adam? I've heard something along those lines, yes. And um, I don't think it's been confirmed yet, but um, from, from, from the Berry situation and where they may be next season, I'm not too sure that it possibly could be three. But if until that's confirmed, um, if we look at four, then I think Ed's feet and Chorley are, are down. I think Files will go down, and I'll probably say Maidenhead. But I said Maidenhead last year, and Alan Demish has never let me forget that. So <laughs> um, <laughs> I'll uh, I'll stick my neck out on the line and, and say them. I, uh, I I I don't know. I mean, it, I, I think if you give me three, I'd say Chorley, Ed's feet, and Files. And then it really is anyone from, I think, Maidenhead, Aldershot, Wrexham, Dagnum, I think it is, and then Chesterfield, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting. I, I, I know why you're saying Maidenhead, and then they go and get results like the yesterday's 2-0 win. They probably played Solihull at a good time, but for me, I've probably come down to Maidenhead or Chesterfield. And uh, I guess one thing we know about Maidenhead, they're equipped for this fight. That's all they've done. That's all they've known since they came up to this level. And that's all that Alan Devonshire has known. Whereas with Chesterfield, there's a few variables. There's a few unknowns. Who will the manager be? Who, you know, what further player turnover will there be? Um, so, yeah, I, 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 I concur with you um, on, on the reasons why it should be Maidenhead. And you can build cases for the likes of Dagenham should improve under McMahon and 
Wrexham should just about pull away now. And uh, I totally agree with you. Aldershot aren't safe yet. But uh, they picked up points in eight of the last nine games. And uh, they certainly seem to be heading in the right direction. So we're going to move on and have a look at the National League South next. If you're driving on a motorway and you see a red X sign overhead, you need to change lanes safely. Driving in a red X lane is an offence. Red X's are there for a reason, to protect you and others from danger. The lane may be blocked by a broken down vehicle, or road workers, or the lane may be needed for the emergency services. So if you see a red X, change lanes safely. Highways England, connecting the country. And in the National League South, I think the big announcement, Darren, is it's come from your boys, Chelmsford, this week. After that 1-0 defeat at Hungerford, they sacked Rod Stringer, didn't they? Yeah, bit of a shock that on uh, on Tuesday evening. Um, I had a feeling for a while that there may be a part in the ways coming, but I didn't expect it to come uh, at this time of the season, really. We've got a big FA Trophy game coming up next weekend at, at Averley, you know, bidding to get to the quarterfinals for the first time since the 1970s. So, yeah, it's slightly odd in terms of timing. But, um, yeah, the club's looking to go a different direction. Um, Rod's been a brilliant manager at Chelmsford. This season hasn't gone quite as well. Uh, got a good budget there and hasn't quite reached uh, the, the level that he should have got to with it. Uh, and obviously he's paid the price. Disappointing result last week at Hungerford. Whether that was enough to seal the deal or not, I'm not sure. Um, Rod spoke in the in the press since and he feels it was it was harsh and, and, he, and it wasn't handled well. But clash of personalities possibly is his view. And I think that probably is the case with the chairman and, and the view of what he wants in his manager. Um, it's interesting in the advert for the job they're looking for a, a club ambassador as well as a first team manager really they're really trying to link up uh, the wider club with the youth teams they've got a new academy coming in next season so I think they're looking for a new impetus from manager there to, to push that forward and as good as, as Rod was with his management it probably wasn't an area where, where he would be stronger so that's the decision they've made and it'll be interesting to see um, who the man is there point Someone like a Peter Taylor then maybe Possibly. Um, be interesting, obviously, in whether he, he's a former player of ours, so it would, would be a nice link there. But it'd be interesting to see whether he'd be happy to come down. I expect the budget is likely to, to come down a little bit mm. uh, going forward because there was a, a gap in funding there that they've had to, to fill. So whether he'd be happy to come down and, and take on and that sort of role and obviously maybe not have the expectations of, of pushing for playoffs and looking to bring players through, uh, it'd be interesting to see. And I'm sure there'll be... Plenty of candidates coming in, so a uh, tough job for the the board to pick the right one. I, I mean, I only mention it because obviously you're saying about an ambassadorial role. It is an academy; it might be more a full-time, hands-on role, and that might well suit him as well. Definitely, yeah. I mean, he's got experience, hasn't he, of, of, of coaching uh, at all levels, really, and obviously bringing young players through as well is a, a big skill of his. So it could be an option. So um, I'm sure if he he puts his uh, his name in the in the frame, he'll be uh, he'll be considered uh, strongly. But um, yeah, not not sure yet. There's a few few names out there, but like Jody Brown, who's who's local and and done well with Haybridge and not so well with Welling at this level. But um, I think the deadline is is this Friday for the application, so it's going to be probably another couple of weeks before before we find out. Tough, tough job ahead for Robbie Simpson and his caretaker role. As you say, Robbie Simpson is in caretaker charge, and his first game in charge was rather entertaining at Dulwich, wasn't it? Yeah, it was a crazy game uh, in front of another big crowd at Champion Hill. Um, Simpson himself drops himself back to, to centre-half that game, which is, is not his usual position. He didn't have a particularly comfortable afternoon, but um, probably not helped by a strong wind blow throughout, and, and that led to, to a couple of goals being conceded 
really down to goalkeeping errors as they could, couldn't couldn't handle the ball. But um, yeah, it could have been any score really. Uh, I think Dully's probably deserved it in the end with Danny Mills getting a hat trick. There were four games uh, without a win before that, so that was an important win for him. And at times they didn't. You could see they were not quite firing on all cylinders, but at times in the game once they got on top, uh, they did look a good side. So it's, I mean. I think they've gone full-time this season, so they'll be quite disappointed with, with where they are sitting in the league at the moment. Uh, I know they had a good, cup, good uh, run in the cup, which probably may have uh, distracted them from league form a little bit. But I think, yeah, that was an important win. As you said, they don't want to get sucked into the relegation battle down there. And I think they uh, uh, needed that win. Uh, they've got a uh, tough game coming up at Haven next week. Wheelstone had a week off, didn't they? Because the, the, the game at Tunbridge was called off. They're having issues with the pitch. As are Bill and Ricky. Uh, both uh, both teams had their home games called off midweek. As I say, Tunbridge was supposed to hold host Wheelstone. That was called off. And you saw Dim Brennan at Dulwich Hamlet, and it'd be good for him to have a little bit of a rest just before that long, big running, won't it? Yeah, although they've obviously hit form again, so maybe they'll be disappointed that they've had a had a week off when they're in, in a good run of form. And obviously, Tunbridge down the bottom, although picking up some good results themselves uh, in recent times. But yeah, I mean, three wins in a row, I think, for Wolfstone, so they would have been looking to, to get the win and the way the other results went yesterday, they could, could have extended their lead even further. The big winners of the day were Hampton and Richmond Borough and they, they handed out a bit of a beating to uh, our friend of the podcast, Ian Herring at Hungerford Town. And I noticed uh, Danilo Orsi did almost scored a couple as well. Uh, Inman got a couple. There were, they, they all piled in on the goals, and I know Gary McCann uh, was just pleased with the intensity from the first minute to the last, really, the, inclu- including the subs that came on. Yeah, second eight-goal game game of the weekend, but yeah, Gary McCann's done a great job there. He's worked hard to turn it around after a difficult start, and they're reaping the rewards now up to uh, ninth place and uh, sniff the playoffs. Um, as you say, Orsi Dodomo, a couple of goals early on against his old club, and but they kept on going right the way to the end with sort of, it's only 3-1 going into the last sort of third of the game and then they, they pushed on to, to really make it a thrash in there and uh, not a great day for Ian Herring. Uh, I think his goalkeeper went off injured late as well, which has been a problem uh, for them all season with goalkeepers coming in and out. So hopefully for, for him, he'll be fit because they've got another tough game on, on Dorking against Tuesday, which they really need to start winning uh, games again soon because they're six points are just of safety and that's their game in hand on Tuesday, which if they can get a win there, three points, it starts to look a little bit better. I also noticed, Luke, that um, poor old Ian's van broke down as well at the end of the game. <laughs> so he had, to, he had to get some help to get that started again. So so not a good day for Ian. And, uh, hopefully, we'll be talking about three points uh, from him soon. The big result of the day, and probably the result of the day in the division, was, was Oxford City going to Slough and winning. We mentioned Slough winning 1-0 a lot. They came from behind on Tuesday, which you can hear about from Tommy. He caught up with uh, Lee Togwell from Slough after they won 2-1 at Hampton and Richmond Borough. But Slough got sloughed yesterday by Oxford City, didn't he? Definitely, yeah. Typical sort of Slough are very good at uh, grinding out 1-0 wins in themselves. But uh, yeah, got beaten himself, unfortunately, Ryan Bird own goal. Uh, he was impressive, actually, early in the season. I think he's moved back to centre-half at times this season. Not sure where, where he was playing yesterday. But yeah, big was big shock with that result I think Slough had uh, won the previous three and only uh, I think it's their second defeat in, in 14 in the league so very big big surprise there although Oxford City on their day can pull out, pull out these results um, although again they've been on a bad run and lost three before yesterday so yeah uh, Slough would still be fairly happy they're still sitting in second and uh, 
they've got a tough game themselves away to, to the resurgent Welling next weekend. So they'll be looking to bounce back from that and uh, continue their chase of uh, Wolfstone at the top. Yeah, the other big winners of the day were Dartford. They won 5-1 at Chippenham. I know that's not pleased the Chippenham fans no end. They didn't want to see Mark Collier go and they want him back on Twitter. They're all calling for him to, to come back. But Michael Cook is in charge at the minute. said his team crumbled in the first half and, and so it proved by the looks of it. Yeah, I think it was all the goals were in the first half, weren't they? So, um, yeah, very much. I mean, it's difficult. Dartford are, are in very good form at the moment. Darren McQueen on fire, I think. Sort of 14 goals, I think it is for him already this season. So, um, another team that had a slow start, Dartford. But again, they're, they're flying and they're up in... Up in uh, sixth place now. I think they've uh, I think they've seven wins out of eight now in the league. Um, so yeah, Steve King, he's, he's got got the team working to how he wants it. Brought in good players. Brought in like said, Liam Nash has come recently. He scored yesterday. And they've got a lone player, Amrit Banson McNulty. He came in yesterday on on loan and scored. So uh, yeah, it's all looking good for Dartford on the opposite side. Obviously Chippenham uh, probably one of the worst runs. I think they've got one win in eighteen now. I think in all competitions. Um, they picked up a few draws since since they dispatched with. Mark Collier, but no win. So, yeah, it's it's not looking good for them at the moment. And obviously, they look to be the team that will be going down, possibly with Hungerford. Yeah, it's been a tough for them, but it's been a decent week for Eastbourne Borough. They drew one with, with Hemel Hempstead, and they also sold Manny Adebowale to Crawley this week. And Crawley, no, um, Crawley, Lee Bradbury's assistant manager, former Eastbourne manager and they'll have made a, a bit of a, a bit of money out of that and Eastbourne are pulling themselves away from safety aren't they now yeah definitely they had a bit of a shocking start to the season obviously it saw Bradbury depart and uh, I think they've also had to cut budget down there but so that, that money coming in will, will be a boost but now they're, they're not a bad side they played at Chompson and got a draw a couple of weeks ago I think it's five draws in a row I think 12 in the whole season so uh, definitely the draw specialists in the league so they're not, not far away from being a good side but a bit like uh, Chippenham which probably don't score enough goals 31 I think they've got, got for the season uh, and probably a few more goals uh, and that would obviously convert a few of those many draws into uh, victories and then push them a bit higher but um, again I'm sure they'll be happy this season just just to survive and get to mid-table and, and uh, regroup and go again next year. I just wanted to, it was, it was a weird day scoring-wise in the National League South because you had quite, we had quite a lot of low-scoring games and like you say, you had the 5-1 at Dartford, you had the 5-3 Dulwich and Chelmsford and the 7-1 between Hampton and Richmond Borough and Hungerford. Uh, there was a lot of nil-nils and low-scoring games in there apart from that. Yeah, two of the, um, the teams challenging at the top, Bath and Haven, uh, both went away and, and got nil-nil draws, which not always a bad point, especially against a place like Dorking and Concord, are, are both in good form. But I think Bath will be fairly happy to get a point after their, their disappointing week last week, going down obviously 7-0 to Wildstone and then going out in the FA Trophy to, to Concord at home. So I think they'll look to steady the ship a little bit and then try and push on again. Haven't. Um, second nil-nil draw in a row that one was at Chippenham at Concord they'll be looking really to win both of those games to, to keep up the, uh, the the challenge at the top so they've got third place Weymouth on Wednesday so that's going to be another big game Weymouth in great form so I think that could be a crucial game to see if uh, haven't can really pushed for the, for the top of the table as opposed to just uh, the playoffs Yeah and finally St Albans' struggle continued against the resurgent Welling didn't they? Yeah Welling uh three in a row now after six straight losses and Bradley Quinton sort of brought a few players in taking a few out and obviously he's uh, got them playing now and uh, yeah Akinyemi with two goals there um, St Albans just one point outside they got looked like they're 
were going to get out of it, but again, two two defeats in a row there uh, for them. So teams below them have got games in hand, so they're, they're definitely not out of it. But they've got a good score there in uh, Ia Chif- oh, say his name. Huh. Yeah, Aki. Yeah, he said it last week. I heard Ellen Allenson say it. It's like, um, yeah, it's like Yakuf, Yakufano. I don't know. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I'll try that. Uh, 14 goals he scored yesterday. So when you're down the bottom, if you've got someone who can nick your goal, that's always uh, a big boost. So fingers crossed uh, for them that he can continue that scoring rate and uh, pick up enough points to uh, to see them to safety. Well, thanks for joining us, Darren. As always, thanks for your South Roundup. No problem. Thanks, Luke. See you soon. Real. We'll move on now to the National League North. Hi, I'm Adam Summerton. You're listening to the NL Full-Time Podcast. And in the National League North, Kingsland, they lost 2-0 at home to Kinnaminster. That's their first defeat in 17 months. They've still got two games in hand, though, over York, who beat Chester. There's two goals for new signing Kurt Willoughby. Big performance, that from York. But Chester's away form will be a concern. We'll get onto that in a minute, guys, but... Result of the day, Kinnaminster? Oh, for me, yeah, absolutely, definitely, uh, <laughs> Luke. I mean, it was always going to end at some point. These unbeaten runs don't carry on forever, but no one would have betted, uh, with all due respect to Kidderminster, but fair play to them because they, they went there and they, they got the goals in the first half and then they, uh, they closed it out in the second half. So, you know, fantastic. But if you look at Kidderminster's form, there is absolutely nothing in there to suggest that that was going to happen yesterday. Mm. Um, so, so, fantastic win. I'm sure it's just a, a blip for Kingsland. Or is it? Or is it a, a little bit of a looking over the shoulder in the in the final straight? And I think only only time's going to tell. Are the collie wobbles yeah. on, Dicky? Yeah, I think every all eyes were on that York Chester game yesterday as the as the you know the big game, and it was still the big game in the division yesterday. But you know. Um, Somebody was going to come out unhappy of that game, York or Chester, because either Chester were going to be further behind, York weren't going to have closed the gap on Kings Lynn, and a draw probably didn't do either any favours in terms of their ambitions. But I don't think anybody saw uh, Kings Lynn losing at home to Kidderminster. And it's, I wouldn't exactly say it's blown things wide open, but it's made things just that little bit more interesting again. Chester away farm's a bit concerning now. They've, they've not won for a while. They lost away midweek at Gateshead and, I'd say, conceded four at York on Saturday. Anthony Johnson was trying to explain it away all on, on Twitter last night, but they've been leaked by Boston now and Chester need to sort themselves out away from home, don't they? Yeah, I think they do. I mean, they, he was quite um, uh, frank about the, the quality of their defending yesterday yeah. in one of his tweets, so I won't repeat it. Um, and to be fair to him, as you know, he, he said, Chester fans didn't seem weren't very happy with it, but he said, "Well, look, don't shout at me here on Twitter. My DMs are open. Talk to me," and and was quite willing to do that. But um, yeah, they're, they're they're strong at their own ground, but just away from home. And I say, particularly coming off uh, following a two-nil defeat at Gateshead on Tuesday night as well. Um, I, I think that sort of possible fear that Chester fans have got that oh no we could get trapped here for yet another season has kicked in with a few of the fans and, and you need everybody united you need everybody believing that you know you're going in the right direction um, and and I think that's presumably what he gave the fans a chance to, to, to speak to him yesterday so he could try and convince them of that I noticed on the score sheet for York was Kurt Willoughby we're talking about Files goal scoring problems he's there on a month's loan and they might be desperate to get him back well yeah, whether they're going to have the opportunity to do so, I'm not entirely sure. But uh, yeah, Kurt, I had a quick look in the dictionary. It's described as rudely brief, and that might 
accurately describe his time at Fulham, to be perfectly honest. Uh, but yeah, change of scenery for him uh, and two goals for York yesterday in that 4-2 win. I think um, maybe that's one slight criticism of York is that is they're not an, a real free-scoring team, but they've certainly added some firepower in um, in Kirk Willoughby coming in there. We know he did terrifically well at FC UM. It was a big jump up two filed and you know maybe uh, in retrospect we will see that filed wasn't the right move for him but uh, yeah the, the York fans are certainly enjoying his presence yeah as I say Boston Elite Frog Chester was a, a hard fought 1-0 win at Blyde Spartans and they've still got a game in hand I think Boston uh, they're just sneaking in there aren't they and, and the one thing they will want is to even if they don't challenge York and Kings Lynn is to get that high up spot in the playoffs so they can have a home tie because they're very strong at York Street yeah, they are. And I think the thing with Boston, the thing that they've been doing over the last few weeks is um, they've been grinding out results. They've been getting results where perhaps you, it didn't look like they were going to get one. Um, we said about their home game with Brackley on a midweek Tuesday a couple of weeks ago where it sounds as if Brackley were, were well worth at least a point, if not all three, but a goal four minutes from time and they get the win. And again, away to Blythe yesterday... It's, it's not the easiest of places to go, um, even with Bly's current form. And, and, and it, it, it looked like it was going to go to the wire, but then Jay Rollins got a goal in the second half. And, and they're just they're, they're getting the job done. They're getting the job done. And I, I think they're, they're a certainty for the playoffs now, in my mind. But it's just a question of whereabouts. Yeah, Luke, Luke, if I can just come in on, mm. a, on a point there. You make, uh, just picking up on something that you mentioned, those second and third places are so important and that's the thing that Chester fans will be uh, really trying to push to, to get into because it makes a massive difference in the, in those playoffs at the at the end of the season um, as to whether you play in that extra game or whether you play in an extra game more in an extra pressure situation and um, I think that's, that's what Cheshire, uh, Chester fans are going to be really uh, keen to to make sure that, that they're in at least um, one of those um, second and third positions. Another long home defeat coming to an end and another potential for a result of the day was Brackley were defeated at home by Farsley and Adam Leitland was absolutely delighted to quote him and uh, understandably. Yeah, again, another result which I don't think anybody would have would have seen coming. Um, looking at that one, you'd have assumed that was probably going to be um, a Brackley win or or at best a draw for Farsley but they've they've gone there and and they've broken Brackley's really long unbeaten uh, league record I must say they've lost a couple of trophy games I think in at home in that period but they've not been beaten in the league for over 12 months at St James Park Adam Clayton with a goal in the first half and um, nice little boost for Farsley bumps them back up to 11th Brackley in fifth and you know they're by no means out of it at the moment but Brackley just had a little bit of a, a wobble lately a couple of a couple of losses thrown in there which um, might just dent their confidence a little yeah Gay said they're now in the playoff places they came from a goal down to defeat Leamington and player manager Mike Williamson was on a score sheet he equalised to set them back on track and then goals from Alex Nicholson Jordan Preston and Jake Cooper means Gateshead are back in the playoff picture and we don't really mention him that much on here, do we, guys? They are full-time. They will have that extra strength going into the end of the campaign, won't they? You'd expect so, yeah. And, and again, we, we haven't been mentioning them much, but they very quietly 
um, slipped up into um, sixth position now, and I think they've got a game in hand on one or two of those teams that are uh, immediately above them. Uh, Mike Williamson praised the character and resilience of his team yesterday after they went a goal down early on to Jack Edwards, uh, but he set the tone himself, as you mentioned there. It was him that scored the equaliser, and then they've gone on to make the game uh, safe. Uh, Leamington added a, a, another goal just four minutes from time, but it but it's game over by that point. At the start of the season, I don't. It took Gates had a long time to get a win. At the start of the season, they were the draw specialists, and they looked like they were um, just took a little bit of you know adjusting to um, this level, perhaps. But they were still a full time team. But but now perhaps is when you'll see that full time status um, pay dividends for them. Two of the northeast teams are in and around the playoffs are. Darlington and Spennymore. We'll come on to Spennymore shortly, but it was a good good win for Geisley up at Darlington. And it was a bit of a forlorn tweet from Darlington acknowledging that they'd been outplayed in that game. And, and Spennymore won at Gloucester and a bit of a milestone for Glenn Taylor there, Dickie. Yes, it was. Um, I, he's been counting down to it for the last couple of weeks um, and Glenn Taylor finally did it yesterday. He's into three figures now, his 100th goal for Spennymore. I think it's from something like 200 appearances, so he's averaging um, a, a goal every two games for them. And you know, I've, I've spoken probably at length, probably too much length about how good a player I think he is before, but yeah, I think most teams in the National League North would, would give their eye teeth to have a Glenn Taylor. Spennymore are fortunate enough that he's got, uh, you know, they've got him and he seems very happy there. Um, James Roberts added uh, the second goal for them yesterday. Gloucester got a goal back in the second half, but not enough to make any difference. Um, then you mentioned that Darlington and Geisley game as well. Uh, Darlington, they played one another just about, only about 10 days, a fortnight ago at Nethermore, and Darlington got a 2-1 there. Uh, Will Hatfield scoring against his former team. And with Darlington's home form, you probably imagined it was going to be a, a repeat, but it, it Geisley's away form, this is really interesting. Geisley are now unbeaten in eight games away from home. Um, and they, they got a 3-0 win yesterday. Hamza Ben Sharif put them in the lead in the first half. Aram Solomon gave them a second goal for the penalty spot, and then he added a, a third close to the end. And that means the two sides swap places in the table. Guys leap to ninth, Darlington down to tenth. And when you think that, I think Darlington were up to sixth or something like that only a couple of weeks ago with that win at Nethermore, it just shows you how close that race for the, the, the last few playoff spots are and how quickly you can get yourself back in there, but how quickly you can drop back out as well. The other team to get into the playoffs now are Altrincham, and you saw them on Saturday, Dickie, against Telford. Another early goal for Telford, not quite the first minute, but they did kick off. I think they scored in the first, within the first five minutes, but in the end it was an entertaining game. Yes, it was. Uh, I, I wrote my report for our newspaper, our local newspaper, yesterday and said there was a huge amount of deja vu or Groundhog Day about it, if you want. It is Groundhog Day today. I do keep like telling people that. Um, <laughs> uh, Brendan Daniels put Telford ahead on five minutes, and um, but but then they do seem content to let Altrincham have a lot of the, the possession and Altrincham, you could see they're a good footballing side, but they didn't make a breakthrough until the 68th minute, Lewis Walters. Uh, getting them level after a terrific pass from Craig Marne, who's obviously just joined them from Chester. 
Daniels put Telford ahead again just a few minutes later, 75 minutes, and, and his two goals were almost carbon copies of one another, both from a long way out, uh, one from a free kick and one a rebound from a free kick, and both of them dropping over goalkeeper Tony Thompson, who didn't cover himself in glory with either of those, although he did make a couple of good saves. It was a tale of slightly the goalkeepers again. James Jones levelled on 84 minutes. Telford's new goalkeeper, Michael Luyambula, slightly... A bit too advanced off his line. Jones invited to shoot and he dipped one over him from 25 yards and it finished on as Eve. And so, yeah, Altrincham in seventh place and more deja vu because they'll play one another again on Tuesday night at Moss Lane. Alverton have had a, a, well, they've had a a mixed week emotionally, of course. Jordan Sinnott was was an Alverton player technically on loan at Matlock Town and and we've covered that. There was loads of tributes all over the, the National League yesterday with Jordan, with sorry, with Sinnott, 25 shirts. And I know Alfredton, it was, you saw them on Tuesday night, the first game after the tragedy. Uh, they won six six goals to one and then they won again on Saturday. Yeah, it was a, it was a, an emotional evening on, on Tuesday night, absolutely, against Gloucester City. And, uh, you could tell the, the players were really fired up, and they and they wanted to do it for the you know their ex um, ex teammate, and uh, they did. They they absolutely they put Gloucester City to the to the slaughter really. And James Rowside, James Rowside just conceding at the wrong times. They got back to one all after um, Alfreton had scored early on. But the reason I really want to mention it is, is Danny Elliott because we mentioned Chester before, and Danny Elliott's gone on loan from Chester to Alfreton. He was immense on Tuesday night. He was absolutely brilliant and rarely ever seen a player in the National League North with as much pace as he's got. Alfredson were putting balls over the back from him and he was beating the defenders from, with a uh, you know a 10-yard uh, deficit to start off with. He was fantastic. He scored a hat-trick. I noticed he got a goal yesterday and I really think, actually, you know, he's a player to be uh, to be keeping your eye on. He's strong, he's fast, he's skillful. I think Alfredson Town have made a very, very strong Rude loan sign in there. I can't imagine it's pleasing Chester fans with them having lost their last two and there being some criticisms um, of perhaps the, the, the rather ageing nature of some of their squad yesterday that they see one of the, the younger, faster members of their squad out scoring goals for another team in the National League North. It was interesting actually because on their forum there was, well, and, and I know a Chester fan as well, and I messaged him and he said it's just not happened for him. He's been lacking confidence. So the mood's clearly done him good. Well, it, it was instant confidence, wasn't it, really, on, on, on Tuesday night? And he was, uh, the Alfreton fans, as you might expect, scoring a hat trick on debut, took to him straight away. I mean, the, the talk in the press box was we can't remember seeing anyone play so well on debut. And they were trying to rustle back through the records to see who the last player to score a hat trick was on debut. And I think they had to go back um, many years, but he's a, he's a player that certainly got them excited. So down down at the bottom, Bradford Park Avenue in Southport played out an entertaining draw, didn't they, Dickie? Yeah, um, neither of these sides, Southport not in particularly great form of late, and, and, and Bradford, as we know, it's it's uh, fairly desperate for them at the bottom, but they, they took the lead yesterday uh, at Southport, Lewis Knight putting them ahead with a, a free kick, which caught out Dan Hanford, the, the Southport keeper, sounded like that might have been slightly wind-assisted. Uh, George Newell levelled for Southport, so one each at half-time, but then Bradford ahead again through Tom Clare. Brad Barres equalised two each. Newell then put Southport ahead 3-2, and they perhaps thought the job was done at that point, having come from behind twice. 
but it's the curse of the former player, Billy Priestley, a former Southport man, headed Bradford Park Avenue level at three each and got them a point. And also down at the bottom, as we said, Blythe lost 1-0 at home to Boston United and it must have been a bit of a signal for them as well to see Callum Roberts sparkle for Notts County on Saturday. <laughs> Yes, I suppose it's the it's the equivalent of that uh, that meme you see on Twitter where you know you see uh, somebody walking away with you with your ex partner, you know, and you're still looking longingly after them. I think Blythe are going to have to put uh, Callum Roberts out of their minds, to be perfectly honest, and just you know have to, to crack on with what they've got now. Um, and uh, you know, I saw them on Tuesday night. I didn't get have a, have a chance to speak to anybody from Blythe because I think they were back on the bus to get back from Telford uh, as soon as possible. But they lost four two and a home defeat yesterday. Um, they're not that far away from the, the, the teams. I think they're, they're only three points behind Gloucester, but I think Gloucester have played something like two games fewer. Um, and the other two sides close to the bottom as well. Who, the last game of the day, which we haven't mentioned, but no surprise as to why we haven't mentioned it, which is Kettering nil, Curzon Ashton nil. Yeah, good point for Curzon, but you saw Gloucester on Tuesday, Chris, and it's just not happening for them, and, and they've brought in a lot of experience, but a 6-1 defeat away at Alfreton and then a 2-1 defeat at home to Spennymore. Obviously teams who were up in the top 10, but it's not good enough really, is it? Uh, no, they, they weren't very good in, in fairness on, on Tuesday night when I saw them. There's a lot of exciting things going on behind the scenes um, at Gloucester with the you know workers started on the new ground. Um, they've been... Well, they've been no man's basically in the last few years playing outside of the city, and uh, there's a lot of interesting things going on in the background. They've signed some, you know, they've signed some real uh, interesting players. No more than um, Mensa there, who, who played on on Tuesday night, and uh, Matt McClure. Um, but the leakiness through the centre was 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 very very worrying. Um, teams can expose them going right through the middle. Um, this isn't getting behind the back around the wings or anything right through the middle of the pitch and um, James Rowe has really got a headache and he's he's really got to sort that out that sounds a surprise with um, you know with Liam Daly back there when you think how solid um, a partnership he had with uh, Alex Goodger at, at Solihull you would have thought he would have come in and, and stiffened up that defence for Gloucester but um, you know I think he, I saw a tweet from him where he apologised to the supporters and said you know you could assure that everybody that they're working as hard as they can to put it right and, ju- and just finally on, on, on your transfer Adam I mean I know Rob and Dickie both have just gone Paul McCallum's like the standout transfer of this January window I mean would you go along with that or is there another one where you've seen someone going he's got a really good mood to the EFL and I'm really pleased for him and he deserves it apart from Danny Rowe maybe or is Danny Rowe yours no I think uh, Rico Hackett Fairchild for me is a player that um, has has done well I, I think the player for me is everything is Jack Taylor uh, from Barney who's gone mm. to Peterborough um, I'm, I'm a massive fan of Jack's and I've, I've, I've pumped him up for the last few seasons of of being a top, top player. And I give credit to Peterborough because they do go into the National League and they do sign players from, from the National League level um, and, and non-league level. They've, they've been really, really renowned for it. Um, interesting about Danny because Oldham League 2, near the bottom, where you've just signed a striker who scored 100 million goals in two seasons and he's, you know, he's only got to Oldham. So um, I, I think it was time for him to move on. But I think Jack Taylor and... Um, and, and Rico is, are the two signings for me. Who I think they just, I think Jack more than Rico because I think Jack's been a little bit more consistent over the last two seasons. 
But in terms of National League signings, I think Paul McCallum, for me, is the, is the standout one um, in January that could really help, you know, Darren push for that playoff place with Barnett. Boys, what, what's yours quickly? Yeah, mine mine was not so much a move up to the EFL. It's one or two of the players that haven't gone, as you say, the Shimangas. I know um, permanent, consistent interest from so many clubs in Ethan Chislett. I'm relieved, and I think it's the right thing for him as well, that he plays a whole season at this level minimum. Um, so some of the players that have not gone are the ones that have caught my eye. And and the move that most caught my eye from the National League wasn't to the EFL, it was Paul McCallum to Barnet. Uh, what a move uh, for Barnet. Um, I, it staggers me that, that, that on crowds of a 1,000, they can have... I know Pavey's out injured and Coulthurst hasn't you know, been able to play consistently, but you've got Akinola up front with 16 goals now and Walker in double figures as well. That they've got the clout to go out and get a player like McCallum. You know, when 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 I watch a club week and week out, that's desperate to just maybe try and get a second striker of real quality. It, it, it's quite incredible. And I think that move almost guarantees Barnet. Now I know they're not in a playoff position, but for me that will be the difference. And they will be in the playoffs now. Looking at the top seven, they might just replace Bromley in that top seven. Otherwise, they're the seven I'd go for. So yeah, Paul McCallum hit the ground running, striker scoring on his debut. Uh, watch out. He might still get 20 goals this season. I think he's on 10 now. Yeah, mine, Luke, would be uh, Danny Lloyd. You won't be surprised to know, uh, coming back down to Stockport County. A uh, bit of a statement signing of the, the new era uh, up at Stockport County. He's played a couple of games and hasn't made an impact yet, but he's certainly shown glimpses of what uh, Stockport County fans have, have seen in the past um, after his spells at, at Peterborough and Salford. Um, very quickly, the second one, I do agree that I think Fylde are in massive trouble. I think if anyone can help them get out of it, it will be Tom Walker, who uh, has been absolutely fantastic when I've seen him, uh, well, over the past two or three seasons, actually. So, that'd be my two. I, I agree about the Paul McCallum one. I think probably more in the, the, the significance of what it means to Solihull and what it means to Barnett. I think it tells a tale about both teams really um, but if you're looking for a player who's um, making that move up into the Football League I've gone for one from the National League North which is Josh March going from Lamington to Forest Green Rovers uh, terrific at Alva Church last season then got picked up by Paul Holleran in the close season did terrifically for Lamington um, scored a hat-trick in five minutes against my own team Telford so I kind of wished he'd move on a little bit sooner to be perfectly honest Um but yeah, he's got a step up to Forest Green. I think he scored on his debut for them. He's only 22, bags of potential. Um, yeah, and I, and I think he can go on and, and, and progress on from there. Brill. Nice one. Well, Adam, cheers for joining us this morning, Adam. Cheers, boys. Thank you. Cheers, Adam. Awesome. Thank, Thank you Thank you so much, Adam. Cheers. Take care. Bye-bye. Well, thanks for joining us as well, Rob. Yeah, pleasure as always and great to have Adam on. Cheers, Dickie. Cheers, Chris. Cheers, Luke. You're welcome. Good to speak to you both. That is all. Thank you very much for joining us. Don't forget to subscribe to us. Drop us a tweet on Twitter at NLFullTime or email us NLFullTime at gmail.com. Thank you very much for sticking with us in what has been quite a long podcast today. So until then, happy football watching and we'll see you all next week.